What's happening, everybody? How you guys doing? Everybody in the chat, what's up? What's up? We've got an awesome, awesome show off. tonight. Uh, I'm your host, Mikey, and of course, as always, the bro host, Bub. Hello. And uh, Sir Bro of Diz returns, returns tonight with Stoner is not the loner tonight in Master Control. Nope. Uh, thank you so much to both those guys, making everything look awesome, sound awesome. Thank you to all you folks in the chat. We see Burton, Necro, Dick Meadows. What's up, everybody? Uh, we've got a heck of a show. First off, Bub, how you doing? How you I'm feeling? I'm great. Great. Feeling Beautiful good? weather. It's starting to turn around in Ohio. It is, rain man. Out here. It is really. We're close. But you know what? It's going to be hot in like a week, and then the spring's going to be over. And then <laughs> yeah, it's but you know be like what? 90. You know what? The AC's working. Hey, the AC is working in the studio. I kind of had to go a little crazy to make that happen, but... Uh, we are appreciative of it. <laughs> it's nice and cool. Um, yeah, guys, let's hop right in. Right, bub? Let's do this, because yeah. I'm chomping at the bit. Uh, awesome, amazing <laughs> guest, James A. Willis tonight. Now, James is an author, speaker, and paranormal researcher that has been at it for a very, very long time. Uh, 1999, uh, founded a paranormal research search organization that we're going to talk about, and uh, also has written and co-authored and authored several books, uh, The Weird Ohio, Weird Indiana, oh, yeah. uh, The Big Book of Ohio Ghost Stories. If you haven't and seen then, those, check them out. Yeah, go check out all a lot of the links. All of his links are in the description. Uh, and then also contributed to, uh, I think, six books of Weird U.S. So without further ado, James, how the heck are you, man? I'm doing well. I'm awesome. happy to be here. I'm digging the vibe of this place is pretty cool. I'm awesome, saying. man. Yeah. He's got a, he's got a nose for it though because he we were in the control room and he walked in and I was like, oh, Mike, you might have you know must have found him in the hallway and it's like, oh, is Mike with you? And he goes, no. And then I burst in the door <laughs> cursing. Yeah, yeah, I think you need a map to get in here. It was kind yeah, of, well, it was going through in through the outdoor. It was yeah. turning on lights. It was, we it like was the whole keep, thing. We like <laughs> to keep it that way. Uh, <laughs> the spooky, dark lit hallway. Like, are you guys back here? Like, yeah, what the hell. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's why I walked out front because I was like, oh, it's getting close. I'm going to walk out and, and grab him and bring him in because I know everyone has uh, a little bit of a yeah. issue trying to find Brozone Studios as well hidden. That's the way we like it. We need somebody out there spinning one of those signs when we have guests coming to the studio. Sweet. That yeah, would I mean, be awesome. I would like that. that might be a who draws a short straw night type thing. I'm, well, I'm thinking it'll be me. Maybe we <laughs> get, a, get an intern maybe. <laughs> Bob, you are the sign guy. Yeah. Uh, you're That's coordinated fine. enough to throw that thing around. Yeah, I'd actually have a good time. You uh, guys might have to drag me in here from that duty. <laughs> well, but for a conversation like this, you wouldn't have to. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready. And, and Oh, man. Well, we actually, like you said earlier, we got to hear him at uh, Frogman Festival, yeah, I was too, just gonna so we say, got primed a little bit. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, we actually met James at Frogman Festival. Um, Jeff Craig from Map and Black puts on, put on the first annual Frogman Fest. You were the headliner. The whole place, I don't, there was... Not a single seat, by the way. Uh, there in were that seats entire room. being brought in. Oh, while Jeff you were was speaking. bringing seats in. We're like, we're about to throw down here. Uh, <laughs> oh, he had the frog painted on his face like a warrior, yeah. and he was bringing in chairs, <laughs> come hell or high water, oh. because that was fantastic. A one day event like that, where people really, you saw people really hang on, like nobody was leaving early. Yeah, that yeah, was it was awesome. great. Um, but. James gave an awesome presentation about Thank you. Thank the, you. the history, the folklore, the legend of the Loveland Frogman. And uh, it, it was fascinating because, 
You know, Bub and I tried to do a research episode. Uh, we did uh, basically the Ohio Grassman and Friends is what we called it, where cool. we covered the Minerva Monster, the Ohio Grassman, sure. yeah, yeah, cryptids. Yeah. We did a little piece on, uh, well, <clears throat> uh, the Loveland Frogman and so forth. But we just couldn't find that much information on it. And we kind of no. came to the conclusion, like, this is probably not legit. Like, I don't know. This It feels like that story really morphed over the years, which is where you came in and totally blew our minds because now it makes so much sense how you get from this and you broke it down beautifully to frogman with a magic wand performing a magical ceremony <laughs> right. in a riverbed okay it so went from what might have been an iguana to you know and, lord of the rings esque and i don't know if you can touch a well first of all before we hop into it why don't you tell a little bit oh, about I saw yours. what you did there. Yeah. Hop into it. Nicely done. Yeah. That's uh, one for you there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, did you mean to do that? I didn't. Oh, That's the okay. genius of what just happened. It is. That blew my own mind. You pointed it out. Anyways, shit. Uh, did you so mean to do that? Talk, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you kind of, um, you know, you've been at this a long time. Is it, it, You know, we were reading a little bit about you and uh you growing up with boo cereal and late night movies and, oh you know, i remember i, that I grew up too. with uh, uh usa up all night with gilbert godfrey <laughs> and so late night you would they would play critters and attack of the killer clowns and uh all these kind of b horror movies yeah, and, and sure. strange yeah. movies so i had to go to his house to see that stuff <laughs> yeah. because we had rotary antenna so i wasn't getting any of the cool channels yeah, well, it's funny because we, um, we, when I was growing up, we had one color, color television. It was downstairs. Yep. And whenever like the old classic scary movies would come on, it was always when my dad wanted to watch a sports program. Oh. So he would make me go upstairs to watch it on the little black and white TV. And, yeah. he, and he and his New York accent would go, ah, your stuff's in black and white anyway. You don't because I always had to go and watch it. Yeah, little rabbit ears and stuff That's like that. That's hilarious. But yeah, wow. I um I was born and raised in uh, the Hudson Valley of New York State, which is a weird, weird place yeah. in and of itself, and it's got a lot of folk tales and urban legends, and you name it. I, I was sure. growing up in the time where you had everything from mass UFO sightings that yeah. were going on um, to Son of Sam, right? <laughs> to wow. Amityville Horror. They were yeah. all. There right. and so and they have stone chambers in that region. Yeah, There's a yeah. lot of it's just really a, weird things happening. And wow, my dad used to take the train to work, and he would always come home and he would have a copy of the New York Post. <laughs> and it's kind of like a National Enquirer version of the news, right? Right. And I just remember flipping through it, and they used to have these salacious headlines and things like that. And so I was always obsessed with these strange things. And then people would start telling me stories about the, I think it was eight years old when I did my first ghost investigation because wow. I read in the, the Orange County Post, someone had written a story about this haunted cemetery. And there were enough facts in there that I was like, oh, I think this could be true. So I begged my dad to take me out to the cemetery. So my first investigation <laughs> dad, uh, yeah, at eight hey, years bud. old was me wandering around <laughs> in a cemetery while my dad leaned up against the duster car and chain-smoked camels. And that was my first investigation. But Love dusters. That's amazing. But I had the article, and yeah. I was like, okay, this is her. Her name is Jessica Graham, so I'm looking for her grave. I was always interested in trying to find the truth 
behind these scary stories because I would hear a ghost story and then find out that it wasn't true. And I'd be like, it's not scary. and It doesn't do anything yeah. to me anymore. So to go back and find the history and be like, oh, there's something to this yeah. would really get me going. Yeah, and um, sure. it was The Legend of Sleepy Hollow mm-hmm. that really hooked me because that um, the setting for The Legend of Sleepy Hollow is Terrytown, which is not too far from where I grew up. Okay. And Washington Irving, who wrote The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, as well as Rip Van Winkle, well, he fell asleep up on the mountain right where I grew up. Wow. <laughs> so... Wow. You start reading these, and it was always the field trip in elementary school to go out to Terrytown, the setting of Sleepy Hollow, in the fall, and eat and drink everything made of apples, Yeah, and then inevitably hear the legend of Sleepy Hollow. But my one teacher decided she was going to convince us that the legend of Sleepy Hollow was a true story. And how she did that was when we got out there, she took us to the bridge, the bridge that the horsemen couldn't cross over, um, and then took us out to the cemetery and then pointed out the graves of the characters. And that blew my mind because I'm like, this story's got to be true. And then I found out that Washington Irving so loved the area that he uh, borrowed Wow. The names off the tombstones. Wow. Um, wow. I think he made up for it because he's actually buried there now, Washington Irving yeah. is, so you can go there to Tarrytown and see. That's but, so crazy. But at that point, I was like, okay, that story's not true. What are the true ghost stories? For sure. And that's what started me yeah. down that path. Um, I was in my first professional ghost group in 1985. Um we weren't even a ghost group. We didn't even call it. We just went out and looked for things. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I moved to uh, Georgia in the 90s, I was. it was the same thing. There weren't ghost groups. There was no ghost shows. There wasn't anything. So right. it was just kind of my yep. going out and yeah. doing all this documentation. And Every then, man for himself. I mean, yeah, pretty much. Even yeah. in the 80s and 90s, we grew up. You there know, you had much unsolved on. mysteries every other right. week would have maybe a UFO story or number one show. You know, that, um, God, that, was that uh, a good show? Super famous. Um, uh, the gentleman that was uh, possessed. Uh, gosh, I can't remember his name, but that was a big kind of national possession story that was on Unsolved Mysteries back in the day. And then, you know, Leonard Nimoy had his show. But, yes. I mean, compared to now, it's just like it's unbelievable Correct. what people can tap into. Sure, yeah. Um, when I moved to Ohio in 1999, my original intent was to just join a group. Yeah. But there weren't any. And so I was kind of... Mm. arrogant, naive enough to be like, I'll just start my own group. (laughs) And um, I called it the Ghosts of Ohio because ghosts was plural, so it sounded a lot bigger when it was just me. Um, But I called it the Ghosts of Ohio because I wanted us to kind of be like ghosts in that we were always there, but only people that really needed us to be there could actually see us. Mm. So we were, it was, I, from the start was like, we are going to have bylaws where we are not going to share private information with the general public. So it and very good. Yeah. For many years it was a struggle. When the ghost shows hit, it was they all wanted me to be on it, but there were yeah. these non disclosures and things where I'm like, this is not yeah. for me. But I've been totally blessed as along the way I found members that have um been with me decades. Yeah. You know, so a very long so it's it's kind of like once they've 
found it, they were like, I get what you're trying to do here. Yeah. Um, now, the the weird writing came about because, um, as I said, I grew up in New York, so I was familiar with New Jersey. Um, used to go looking for the Jersey Devil. Yeah. Uh, you know, would go to concerts down in the Meadowlands. Um, used to go to Action Park, which is Traction, oh. Traction Park. You know, Class I, Action Park. Is that the, that the documentary yeah. on yeah. Netflix? Yes, wow. Is, yeah. Okay, yeah, I've That's seen that. Um, That's so great. That's yeah. so good. But, I would say most of those stories in the documentary are true. <laughs> I, yeah, it seems it was um, pretty credible. It was a great time to be alive because it was a entire theme park that was <laughs> the inmates were running the asylum. God, yeah. They were all kids. They were all kids, and none of them were yeah. uh, in their right mind. <laughs> and no. it was just, uh, yeah, That's different wild. story for another day. But yeah, it, 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 many stories, and I, I do have a few scars that could probably. <laughs> date back to that. But um, I was also familiar with um, the magazine at that time, Weird New Jersey. Mm. But I was in Ohio, and it was right around 2003. And then um, Mark Skirman and Mark Moran, who were the two Marks who mm -hmm. did Weird New Jersey, um, they put out a book, Weird New Jersey. And it was pretty much the format now that all of the weird books follow. And you know, I need to ask them how they found me, but they contacted me um, because I had just written a story that was big news back then where I had spent about six months debunking every legend associated with Helltown. Mm. You have to say it like that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so they asked me, they were like, you know, <laughs> would you be interested in putting the Helltown story in weird U.S.? And I was like, well, sure, I don't care. And then they came back and they were like, you, you seem to have a weird eye, which I didn't know what that meant at the time. <laughs> what does that mean? He's just got an eye for the strange. And the I think what it meant was because th they said, would you be interested in being the primary author for this book, Weird Ohio? What I, I believe that they meant, I need to, Mark, I need to contact you and, and ask you. But what I think they meant is, for me, what all of the weird books were based around is this premise. I can give this away now, but we've all done this. We've all been driving down the road and went, man, that's weird. I wonder what the deal is with that. And kept on going. Mm -hmm. I turn around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I go back. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what, you know, that I would, because when I started doing Weird Ohio, we all had a list. So um, <clears throat> Andrew Henderson did sort of like the abandoned sections, and yeah. um, Lauren Coleman started with uh, the monsters, like Bigfoot. But I had a list of the ghosts and the abandoned, not abandoned, but like the roadside oddities. They had a list. But I would go down there, and I'd be like, whoa, what's that? It wasn't on my list, but You'd I'm like, this is it. weird. Yeah. And so I think the fact that I was coming back with more weirdness— yeah. um, they really dug that. So that ended up going to all of the different weird sure. books in the series. And then other other publishers were coming to me and they were like, hey, you know, what about this ghost stuff? You know, do you yeah. want to write something about that? And I was like, sure. So, right. I, I, so I always feel a little bad when people are like, how do I get started? How do I get published? And I'm like, 
I just keep I don't following know. I don't trail. know. <laughs> well, you're I just, don't. You're I just, just keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's yeah. yeah. Well, but that's the thing. They want you to break down motions that you're doing that you don't think about necessarily. Like it's the whole concept of like asking somebody how they throw a you know perfect hundred mana or pitch sure. or serve that ace in tennis or whatever. If they have to just think it about it, it's a burnt it. down process that you have built in. Same way how Mikey can establish relationships with people and, and contacts, and he just. He has this ability. You have this ability, and it's tough when you have to try to figure out what you're doing and explain that yeah, to somebody. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would say you have these characteristics and traits from the age of eight, and probably earlier. But eight was the first excursion, apparently. Like, <laughs> so okay, between him and Tom and Jim, yeah, you started at eight. Tom went to a rock quarry at like twelve. He said his yeah. mom would drop him off for a yeah. week to camp Jim to was, hunt fossils. Jim was eight as well. And Jim was like eight when he went yeah. to interview us, the last living Civil War soldier in so Toledo, Ohio. We should let everybody wow. know we actually found out about James back in the day because James because, wrote yeah. uh, in Weird Ohio and covered our friend Jim Bowser from Wapak, who we've yeah. been friends with since 07, I And Wapak is short for Wapakoneta. And, like, and, and we're like, how have we Ohio. never heard about this temple? Yeah. You know, this is back then. It's pretty well known now. A lot of websites and different crews have been out there covering it. Um, he's like, well, actually, I was in this uh, book, Weird Ohio, if you haven't heard of it. And like, oh, what's that? I remember going to the library and basically reading the whole book. I think he that has day. a copy at his house, though, too. Yeah, he does. That's what I'm he showed sure us. He does, yeah. yeah. So we have a mutual friend in Jim Bowser, which was really, really cool. And Jim um, is like the iceberg of weird. <laughs> <laughs> He's got more of the greatest. Cra- I encourage anybody to take a day trip up to Wapakoneta and stop by and take a walk through his yard. Uh, James can probably attest yeah. to oh, that. Indeed, yeah. In the summer, that's a definite worthwhile sunny afternoon stroll. Yes. Definitely. And if he's there, try to catch him and get him to tell you some stories and, you know, have a snack prepped with you. You know, maybe bring an Uncrustable or something. We can't get out of there under seven just hours. One? Not just yeah. one. We, we can't get out of there under seven hours. Uh, but just wanted to preface that. Yeah. Uh, but, you, you know, Absolutely. going back to uh, that time. You know, so you have Weird Ohio, Weird Indiana as well. So, uh, you know, you were talking about these people are approaching you for paranormal investigation shows and so forth. Um, and, you know, it seems like, I mean, you're such a good speaker. You can really, really break down Thank you. a lot of these things. And, you know, we, we've watched a lot of presentations. We've worked a lot of conferences. Um, we've kind of been around that. So it, it is difficult. It's a really, really hard job to hold the cat and capture an audience for that long with, you know, and, you know, the Loveland Frogman breakdown um, was just, uh, it was just awesome to, to piece by piece and just taking that timeline through. Uh, and is that something that you really have to work on in terms of like uh, putting that presentation together? Does it just kind of fall together over the years and you just got to kind of organize everything? It's a great question. It kind of varies on. I've been doing public speaking things on the weird stuff since the 90s. Yeah. Um, I've also been obsessed with the Loveland Frog since I moved here uh, in the 90s. So a lot of what was in the presentation was just my personal research. So it was really just sort of putting it together, looking at the flow of it. Because in all honesty, when um, I've known Jeff Craig for 
forever. He actually yeah. was. Um, we met because he joined the Ghosts of Ohio, cool. and he was in the Ghosts of Ohio. And it was it was kind of funny because he was working on um, his Hidden Ohio map at the time. Yeah, but I didn't know it, and I've. Um, it's not hoarding because I catalog them, but mm -hmm. I've got over <laughs> 2,000 now yeah. books in my paranormal library. It's my Jeez. strange and spooky library. It's all cataloged and stuff. And what I love about it is that when I have family and friends over and even when we have ghost meetings once a month in my house, yeah. it's like it's, a, the, it's the lending library. You go down there and people sign them out and... Jeff started taking a bunch of books, and I was just like, oh, he's really, like, reading them. But then he was also taking my, my Queensryche CDs, which I, <laughs> I have to ask him about that. But, yes. Um, but I it, love Queensryche. Yeah, me Still. too. He always wanted the first mind crime. He didn't go back for the second. But I, th <laughs> I think I know the answer why for that. But, um, <laughs> but then I asked him, I was like, you know, what are you doing? He's like, I'm kind of doing this, like, map. And I was like, that's really cool because yeah. way back when— I had also been obsessed with the, the legend of the Athens pentagram, mm. which was the idea that if you take the five biggest cemeteries in Athens County and you line them up on a map, they form the shape of a giant pentagram mm -hmm. with, All right. with Ohio University in the middle. I had Imagine actually that. gone into map stores and being incredibly naive, been like, hey, I heard that if you line these cemeteries <laughs> up, you make a pentagram. And that's when I realized that... Some people don't really care for those sort of things. So, right. so when I found out that Jeff was doing that, he was a cartographer on dip yeah. maps. I was like, what well, can you tell me about this? And he was like, well, I've kind of been going out looking for these things. And I was like, that is totally cool and stored that away. And then years went by and Jeff, you know, he had to leave the group to do other things. And then he, uh, he did the map in black. And then I was writing Southern Ohio legends and lore. And I was like, I'm going to finally do the Athens pentagram. So I cool. was like, Jeff, how do we yeah. work that? You know, so I've got some yeah. stuff from Jeff that's in there. As we were talking about that, I think it was after um, Comic-Con. We were both at Comic-Con. Um, I was presenting, and he had a, a booth there for his maps. And he said, I'm thinking about doing this Frogman Festival. You know, would you be interested yeah. in speaking? And I was like... Yeah, and I think Jeff thought originally I was going to speak on the ghosts, mm. and I was like, I, oh, I want to I, talk about the frog, man. Right, I got this whole— And he thought—he said something along the lines of, well, you know, would you be able to fill, like, 45 minutes to an hour? And I yeah. went— If I cut it down, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. And so <laughs> I had— did, like, two hours, didn't you? No, I think no, because no, I think we had to do fifty minutes or something. Because I did. Man, you got, went through a lot in fifty minutes. Oh yeah, that's no, crazy. like the Tasmanian I, Devil. Oh like, my it was god, awesome. it was like the, I, I couldn't stop. Yeah, you was, were on one, man. It was so <laughs> awesome to see. I was like, this guy. It's like the Ace Venture, like sucking up all the wind, like the. Yeah, but but I had no. Uh, I don't think either of us knew because I, like yeah. I said, I've been obsessed with the Loveland Frog because it is. I think one of, it's one of the things that makes Ohio so weird is yeah. when it comes to cryptids, every state's got a Bigfoot. Yep. Leave it to Ohio to go, yeah, but we're going to have a grass man, too. Yeah. You know, and everybody's got like a Loch Ness Monster kind of thing. And yeah. then it's like, well, and we're going to have South Bay Bessie. Yeah. And then Mothman, Mothman was comes, seen in, in Ohio yeah. as well. I mean, so I love know, that It's one idea. of the biggest. I mean, if the, you can't trip over at those... Events and not find oh, a Mothman sticker, indeed, dude. Indeed. I mean, Loveland Frogman is 
I'll tell you what. We have a couple pieces of Frogman art in here that we just got at CryptidCon and frog, just different events. And that's my Everybody big, my, makes love when Frogman The art. worst thing, the it's only great. bad thing about the festival was because, as I said, I was sitting there telling my wife, I'm like, I don't know if anybody wants to hear this. Yeah. Be- because it's kind of like Your conclusion they like is... the idea. And so I was like, holy crap. But because yeah. there were so many people. Yeah. There were actually a good twenty or thirty that were that couldn't get in. Yeah. The amazing thing was I talked to all of them because I'm yeah. like, if if you're spending the time to come out mm-hmm. and, and see me of all people, yeah, I'm spending time with you. That's yeah. awesome. I didn't get to get a, any vendors, and when I sent my wife out, I'm like, I want the terrarium and I want yeah. this and I want that. Yeah. They were all gone. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh yeah. Right at the end, I know people were starting to load up by the time yeah. we were done. Um, but yeah, I mean, your your booth was right there. I remember, you know, I came up and introduced myself. It's like, hey, we're you know helping out with AV, and after you were done, it's like, hey, we do this podcast too. Like, you just blew our minds. We need to have you on the show. If you would ever, that would be incredible. So you know, here we are, man. And I, that was I love it. And and a lot of people say to me, they're like, what? How did you get on that podcast? And I was like, it was the weirdest thing. They asked me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I and don't know what, what that is. A lot of people like, I, I, they're like, "Why aren't you on this show? Why aren't you on?" This? I'm like, "Yeah, they don't ask. Yeah. They don't ask me." I'm right. like, "Right, I'll well, come and spin a yarn or two. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> and yeah. you know, that's how I met Jeff Wilson and Ross Hamilton and a lot of those guys, which I know you've come in contact with them uh-huh. as well. As after Jeff saw one of his presentations out at Serpent Mound in like 2017, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to introduce myself. Yeah. And just kind of took him off guard a little bit. He's like, why is this guy so intense? But it was after <laughs> a, such a, gr- again, a great presentation where I just couldn't contain myself. It's like, I need to know more about what this guy is, is you know. Right. I yeah. need to know more about this information. Um, and then, you know, him, it was a kind of a co-presentation with Ross Hamilton. It was just uh. unbelievable. Giants and Serpent Mountain Legends and, um, you know, and eventually we met Tom and Terry and, uh, you know, so it, it's, it's, uh, and, you know, you're no different. It's like, I, and Tobias as well, mm-hmm. uh, from, you know, Singular Fortians. Yes. We talked to him afterwards. Um, need, we've been keeping in contact with folks. Um, but, uh, it, it was just an overall, a great event. And if you, if you could, I know a lot of people from Ohio, we've, we've been networking with a lot of awesome other podcasts and other shows since we've kind of kicked the show back on. And there's a giant cryptid community and people love cryptids right now is, is it's Uh such a popular, I mean, Instagram, I can't tell you how many cryptid uh, Bigfoot accounts and cryptid accounts there are. Uh, what did you, I know it's really hard to break down, but, um, you know, what kind of led you to down the road with Loveland Frogman? What are some of the things that you found out, uh, about the origin story of the Loveland Frogman? The first, I, I don't remember the, I, I knew of him, her, it, Yeah. <laughs> before I moved to Ohio. I don't remember what book it was. It was a hardcover, <laughs> but it had that, what has now become this iconic image. It's an illustration of this giant half man, half frog thing that's sort of looming over a guardrail. Yeah. And the story that is always associated with that is that's what this thing looked like 
basically a five to six foot tall half man, half frog thing that police officers shot at. Right. And when I first heard that, I was like, that's the most badass cryptid I've ever heard, (laughs) you know? I mean, you've got like Bigfoot chucking things, but he's always in a distance. This is the thing that policemen, and, and it had the names of the officers, and I'm like... There's got to be something to that. Yeah. And so when I moved to Ohio, I had a short list of the places and things that I wanted to investigate. It was Helltown, Franklin Castle, mm-hmm. and the Loveland Frog. And when I started digging into it, the first thing I did was go— dating myself, you go to the microfiche, you know, and you sit there and and you start digging through the newspaper thing. Mm -hmm. And it all went back to basically one newspaper article about the sighting in 1972, but it was just—there were two police officers that saw it roughly two weeks apart. Mm -hmm. The first officer, the one who saw it first, who didn't shoot at it, never spoke about it. Mm-hmm. He's still alive. He still doesn't speak about it. That's what I remember what? saying. Yeah. And to me, I, it's— He I, still won't— He doesn't want to be on a—you know, he, he he's <clears throat> afraid that, you know, his peers and people around him and being ridiculed, a lot of people don't ever come out and speak. And I have done everything short of— Showing up at his with a hundred grand, <laughs> jeez. I don't think I'd ever show up with that. I, the candy bar. Perhaps, I was about to say that same thing. Not, well, um, tell you what, I might tell you the story. Well, you show up with a hundred grand candy bar at my well, house. Well, that's been in the news lately. Logan Paul showed up to yeah, uh, that Chuck Clark Chuck Clark's house with a hundred grand for that UFO, UFO. footage. <laughs> and guess he needed more publicity. Is he kind of yeah? Um, he wouldn't sell it. No, he wouldn't. He sell would it. not sell he it. Take a hundred. Wow. Grand. But, man, I would love to talk to that guy. So well, you kind of ran into a wall there. In a way. And I, the, I, I've written to him actual letters and, and kind of people that he knew, that he was friends with, you know, kind of sent messages to him. But he doesn't want to talk about it. And yeah. what I have hinted out, I've, I've never actually come out and said this to him because it's a bit morbid, but... When he passes, he is witness zero. Yeah. He is the first one that saw the creature that is known as the Loveland Frog. If he doesn't share it, I mean, I've gone so far as to be like, off the record, I will not say anything. I just want to know, what did you see? His story, when he reported what he saw, he has never commented on it. The second officer changes the story every couple of years. That's what I. That's what me and Bub kind of dug into that's when we were like uh it's tough to validate because this guy's stories constantly and you can find blogs from like the 90s yes in the late 90s where he wrote about uh the love and the the encounter and yeah and the stories vary as widely as so the second officer is the one who shot at it in the original version which is in the newspaper article he is the one that's interviewed it's after his sighting And he said that he shot at it. He believes he hit it. He thinks it might have been an iguana, but that it fell into the river. Right. He has changed that. And the most recent version, which is when it was the Pokemon Go sighting. Yeah. um, 2016, I think. That was when this officer, now since retired, came out and said it was a tailless iguana that he shot 
killed, threw in the trunk of his cruiser, took back to the station, showed the first officer, and the first officer said, yep, that was it. Hmm. Except the 1972 article where he is interviewed, none of that's in there. So if he didn't want to get ridiculed, wouldn't he then say, yeah, I shot him. It's an iguana. Here it is. Not only that, but the 72 article says that they did a sketch of it. Okay. Because they didn't know what it was, and they sent that sketch to the then curator of the Cincinnati Zoo, Hmm. who looked at it and basically said, we don't have anything like that, but this is what they saw. So I did verify that a sketch was made. Hmm. It was sent there. That guy really was the curator. He existed. Wow. Why are you going through all that if it's in the trunk of your car? Right. Now, I'm not saying that it was this creature because that sketch that everybody says what they saw is not mm-hmm. the actual sketch. I've never been able to find the actual sketch. Right. But my point is, is that if this second officer, if he really did on that night in 72, shoot it, kill it, chuck it in the car, why are you making sketches? Right. And I think that might have something to do with why the first officer is like... I. I'm not getting involved in it. Probably, yeah. He muddied the waters. Yeah. The validity of the story is completely yeah. in shambles at that yeah. point, you yes, know? Exactly. There's no, I mean, it's not, it's, it's a shame. I mean, it really is a shame. But so, how do you get from iguana to weird frogman, mystical shaman with a wand. magic wand, you know, performing ceremonies? I think it's in the river. Like, how did that come about? I think it's three puffs and two beers. <laughs> right. No, or, jeez, no. No, something a little stronger. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is why I became fascinated with it is because I was thinking the same thing. Because the two things that you can consider iconic is that this frog creature is five to six foot tall walking on two feet. And has a magic wand. <laughs> that, yeah, that's it. That's everything. That's everything. And that's, that's why I think I the legend persists is yeah. because, damn, I want that I thing want to be that real. To be I real. want it to be real. It'd be pretty cool. I want to have yeah. that ceremony performed on me. Right. What if they're out there still? I mean, 2016 Pokemon Go guy. Yeah. Any that, validity to that? No, absolutely, absolutely not. not. Absolutely not. I remember, um, yeah. But... But in the 2016 version, it was still oversized frog hopping around or running like iguana. In 1955, there was, and in some of the 72 stories, they'll say like a businessman saw the same thing. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there was no businessman. Hmm. But in 1955, a uh, first he was a mater d. And then he was a, a waiter, but he basically worked in restaurants. A man named Robert Honeycutt okay. was coming back from work in Cincinnati, middle of the night. He was approaching Loveland. So he was in the same kind of area, but he wasn't yeah. actually, he wasn't that close to the river. The little Miami, big Miami. Correct. Yeah. Um, so he's in the general area, but not really. But he sees. Something on the side of the road. Headlights hit something in a field. Mm-hmm. So there's no water involved. He thought eventually uh, at first that it was three men kneeling. 
mm. on the side of the road. So I love this. He, he's quoted as saying, so he stopped the car to see what was up. Um, <laughs> he th- said he thought that maybe they were praying or doing something because they were short. Mm-hmm. When he got out and he looked, he saw that they were not human. Whoa. And how he described them as they were about three to four foot tall. They looked, they were human-like, except they were entirely gray. Mm. And he couldn't tell if it was an outfit or if they were, their skin was gray because it was Mm. all uniform and tight. Like gray aliens, maybe. Yeah. And he said that they're... Their chests were like bulging on one side, so they, it was kind of like one arm was shorter hmm. than the other because they were kind of like leaned out, like all weird looking. And Quasimodo on the a, front, a little bit, yeah, 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 yeah. And that he said that they appeared to be bald. The head was gray. They had wrinkles on the tops of their head, and then two dots for eyes, no nose, and then. A long, wide mouth, which he mm. said when he looked at it, here it comes, reminded him of a frog. Mm. So that's when I say, ladies and gentlemen, the Loveland Frog just became a man. Right. That's why in some versions they say Loveland mm-hmm. Frog Man. Mm-hmm. But one of them, there was one standing in the front, two almost like a triangle, like the two were further back on either side. The one in the front held up a metal rod. He mm. said it looked metal and blue sparks. Shot out of it. There's your magic wand. Holy oh, yeah. shit. And at that point, he's like, I don't know if I like what's going on. He said then that the one in the front took the metal rod and put it down near his leg. And he thought that he was like attaching it or something, but that they appeared to be looking not at him, mm. but across into the field. He looks over in the field. He doesn't see anything, but he's like, I'm out of here. Mm. He leaves. The first place he goes is the police chief's house, middle of the night, which is where I say that's instant credibility Mm -hmm. that he at least believed it was something because if you're like, I think I just saw these weird creatures, let's go to the police station. It wasn't kids playing with sparklers late at night. The chief actually said, because he's interviewed, didn't smell alcohol. He didn't appear to be under the influence, but but Honeycutt appeared petrified, so much so that... The officer grabbed his gun and a Polaroid camera because he was like, I want to see it, too. Yeah. And they went back out there. They saw, like, an indentation where those creatures or whatever. Something was there. Something was there. And then they both said that they smelt something like, I'm not going to remember, but it was like, oh, I'm sorry, burnt alfalfa and almonds. And I'm like, Mm. the hell does that even smell like? But, But they both said it smelled like that and that afterwards... They both reported that from time to time, driving past that area, they would smell the same stuff. Mm. Obviously, and Mm. that's what I say in the presentation, whatever they shot at in 72 is not what those things were. I'm convinced those three things weren't of this world. Oh, yeah. They were definitely ETs. I mean, to me, that's what it feels like. And that's where the story is so fascinating to me because you've got to pull those apart, but it's a lot easier to slap them together, go, here's your frog, and move on. Yeah. Yeah. That wide, you know, that wide, weird smile, that's the only thing that, 
uh, kind of I'm hung up on a little bit um, because grays typically, so maybe it's just a different type of ET, but the grays have that little slit in their mouth uh, for their mouth. Um, but, boy, I mean, the first story to me seems more valid than yes. the 72. Correct. You know, for yeah, sure. I, I think there – I think – I don't know what it was, but I believe the first officer in 72 did see something. Yeah. Now, whether or not it was a tailless iguana, yeah. I, I don't know. But I think he really saw but something. something four foot, five foot? Yeah. I, I, don't th- I think it was a, an iguana. It was something yeah. because he describes it as running. Yeah. So it's not standing upright like the ones from 55 were. And ladies and gentlemen, if you go to Loveland, Ohio, that area— is a place where some weird frog creature would live. Those river <laughs> valleys, it's beautiful there. Yeah. It's such a beautiful. We have friends that live in Loveland, uh-huh. um, but that whole area. I mean, uh, you know, outside of Mason and into Loveland, is just magical. Yes, I mean, and it's very. It's got a vibe to it, dude. It's got a castle too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but we stayed at the, you know, the um, oh, what was it? The old munitions factory. Yes, that's so they re. They converted those into Airbnbs and condos, so that's where we stayed. Nice. So we let the cryptids of the nice corn, uh, the cryptids of the corn podcast boys. We let them and all, uh, and we were hanging out having beers after Frogman Fest, and they found out we were staying. They're like, "Oh my god, the place is haunted, dude!" <laughs> yeah, they're going nuts. We I didn't report anything back. Um, Stoner definitely did not. Stoner was out, out. Uh, it was, took us a minute to get in there that night. I remember we were having oh, trouble with the dude, code. We had trouble, trouble. We yeah. couldn't get in. And then once we got in, we went to the wrong door and we were trying to. That was like, awesome. S- hopefully. Sorry no to whoever home. that was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like this key like won't work. Five minutes. Oh, it's Mike the wrong comes up, door. He's like, you're at the wrong door. We're like, shit. <laughs> you run. were five minutes at the wrong door? Yeah. Like shaking it and stuff? Yeah, it there was, was a, a key code was, button. You had to like punch in the number. So crypt- yeah, that's why I was like, we got to get going. the corn likes to drink cider. So we, we uh, you know, <laughs> we uh, had a good time. We had a good night with that was them fun time. in there, listeners. That bar um, we were at was excellent. Oh, yeah. Good time. And it was a great festival. We had an awesome time. The venue was cool. Yeah. Uh, we were just doing some simple light AV, but, you know, hopefully we were making the speaker's day a little easier yeah. by yeah. helping out with PowerPoints and whatnot. And we had a little table set up out there, but met some great people. I mean, sometimes we'll walk away from a conference and get, like, one person of interest. You know, mm-hmm. we've done events in the past um, where we've, you know, met um, Clifford Mahuti, David Lone Bear Senapass, ah. and some of those guys, and we've shot some stuff with them. And um, and then, uh, you know, Tom and Terry's events, there's always, you know, folks that we keep in contact with. And so now that the show's popped up, uh, we just have a list of people that we've, we've been collecting. Uh, I've been collecting, and as a collective, we've been um, trying to, you know, get in here and, and mm-hmm. have on. So, um, the, you know, it's it's been uh, – those conferences are great for that because we can go in there, we can work the event, and then meet all the speakers and yeah. authors. <laughs> hey, go. come on the show. Yeah. So let's switch gears here a little bit. I was looking at your map of Crybaby Bridges <laughs> yes. in Ohio, uh-huh. but America as well, or you're focused in Ohio? It's it's just Ohio right now, but behind the scenes, I am getting ready oh. to release the U.S. one. Nice. Yeah. So we're from Mercer County, uh, outside of Coldwater, Ohio, uh-huh. and in between Coldwater and St. Henry, Ohio, mm-hmm. we have a Crybaby Bridge that you have covered. Yes. Yes? Yes. Blows my mind. And we've been out there so many times. You talk about three puffs and two beers, it's more <laughs> probably more like... 
a, a lot I, more beers. I still and a lot haven't more heard anything. Than, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it's going to take. Um, but uh, I don't really want to find out. I know either. we freaked ourselves out where we thought we heard some stuff. I mean, we were definitely like seventeen. Yeah, eighteen. Yeah. We, we'd always go to Crybaby Bridge. We weren't rigorous. And uh, did we sciences. hear anything? Did anything happen? Probably not. No, definitely, <laughs> definitely no. But. <laughs> Had a blast. There you go. It yeah. was so much fun. We'd hang out down there and get real quiet and just be like, shh, 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 you hear that? Oh, it's nothing. Yeah, we wouldn't keep, <laughs> you wouldn't be, yeah, but we didn't keep silence for very long. No. It was not a very fruitful hunt. No, we, and then we, we'd we end went up ghost hunting, hunting though at our friend's mom's house. Yeah, we did in Pickwell. Yeah, she has Old mansions house. in Pickwell, Ohio, the historic district of, yeah, uh-huh. of uh, our buddy's mom owned a home there. Really? And had so much activity over the years with her dogs, like the animals would yeah. freak out. And But, you know, we kind of found out actually that that house is, uh, it's really the land that sure. those spirits are yeah. actually going from property to property, that it's not necessarily the house itself. Yeah. Um, but more or less like just that whole area and it's, uh, you know, the gentleman that, um, brought us, Nick was his name. Our buddy actually, uh, worked with this guy that was, a called himself a medium. I don't really know exactly. I'm, I'm on the fence about mediums, but the stuff that he came up with and the stuff we, is pretty intriguing. Yeah. Some of the things that, you know, he reported back to us, but, um, crybaby bridge back to that. What is... What is it about those local legends that? Well, first know, I want to know when you went out there, was it yeah. the only one that you knew of? Or yes. Did you, yes. Well, of course. And we yeah. have a. By the way, we have a spooky hollow as well, yeah. <laughs> in an area. Um, what is it, Bub? It's up in Versailles, the Seven Hills. Oh, Seven Hills. That's Seven spooky Hills. Hollow. We I always would, thought Spooky Hollow was on Indiana towards the A and W root beer stand. We'd go. To. That is Spooky Hollow. Sorry, yeah. I had the two mixed up. <laughs> but Seven Hills is something completely different. Where our buddy would take his Beretta and gun it over the seven hills and he would get like two feet of air and just fly (laughs) over those hills but spooky hollow we had a spooky hollow not in our county but just north what would that be been shelby or dark dark county County. is that dark county um Um, i'm not great with that but i think it would be van work county you know why why do why does every little place have a spooky hollow and a crybaby bridge it's just it's wild to me yeah and uh, what I how I got into all the crybaby bridges, and that's why I asked whether it was the only one that yeah. you knew of. Oh, is, sure. Is when At I the time, yeah. when I was in New York, we had a crybaby bridge, the crybaby bridge. Okay. And the story was as vague <clears throat> as they come, which is right. The lady had too. a baby, and yeah. she threw, threw it off, off the, the bridge. bridge. And if you go there at a certain time, and you did yeah. now the what I call the ritual change, yeah. you know, whether you got to flash your lights or honk your horn or whatever, turn your um, car off on the bridge. Yes. We, we had turn your car off, and then honk horn. Did mm. we honk the horn? We Maybe. did something. There was some kind of a ritual. Yeah. Stucky, if you're in the chat. Stucky is in the chat. I had texted him because Stucky was obsessed. Our buddy was obsessed <laughs> with Crybaby Bridge. Anytime he drove, we would always end up at Crybaby Bridge uh, on on the weekend. Um, maybe he can type in the chat. <laughs> my kind of guy. If he I'll remembers. tell you what. There's not many bridges back home, but there's a bridge by my house. Yeah. Growing up as a kid, there were two. But the one bridge that we would play under in the daytime, yeah. at nighttime, after watching it, I'll tell you what, I'd walk home from Julie Holman's parents when they would have parties or wherever. I'd get to that damn bridge, and still to this day, it's just Think like... Georgie's and Georgie's Oh, there. my God. I'll tell you what, if you wanted to really freak my sister out, that would be a great prank sometimes. <laughs> Hide out under there, put like a speaker box that could like trigger that noise. Oh, my. Hey, let's walk home tonight, Jamie. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. <laughs> 
So <laughs> growing up in New York, it was like one bridge. That was the whole thing. And right. when I moved to Georgia, I had a friend go like, hey, do you ever been to Crybaby Bridge? And I was like, in New York? And they were like, no, there's one like right down here in southern Atlanta. And I'm like, wow. no, that's in New York. And he was like, no, it's not. It's And then I was like, what the hell? That's so crazy. And when I moved to Ohio, same thing. And yeah. I was like, <clears throat> no, that's in... Some people think it's in Georgia, but it's actually in New York. And they're like, no, it's here in Ohio. Yeah. For Weird Ohio, I covered 13 of them. Yeah. And the Ohio Crybaby Bridge Project, which is on my website, mm-hmm. I think I'm up to 36 maybe. Yeah. And all of them claim to be the Crybaby I'm Bridge. Sure. But what's, why I started collecting <clears throat> it was because— Everybody in general who knows about a crybaby bridge always says the same thing. Nothing happened. Yeah. But damn, was it fun. We had a great time. It was so much fun. And I wanted to start digging into how does this, why is there in some versions the mom throws the baby off and, and other times she accidentally drops it. And sometimes there isn't a baby. And other times they're in the car, and I'm I'm like, yeah. What are all the things behind all this? Yeah. I also was on a mission to try to find the crybaby bridge yeah. somewhere in the world hmm. that started all of it. And I haven't found that yet, but I've I've noticed that what happens is my wife gets this for me a lot. We'll be driving somewhere, and I'll go, "That's haunted." And she's like. How do you know? And I'm like, look at it. It should be haunted. Look at it. <laughs> so I think what happened is that any spooky looking bridge that yeah. you got to walk by at night yep. yeah. suddenly becomes haunted and yep. eventually mm-hmm. it becomes a crybaby bridge. Right. And that, dude, that totally makes sense because our crybaby bridge, okay, it comes in like this from this part and then it elbows and then zigzags through. But in that portion, it's basically secluded. So you have to slow down to then take a left to get on the bridge, slow down again to take a right out of that. So that left and right is really short, right, Bob? Yeah. And you have and you're it's that that section in the middle that's the creepy part. Because it's creating as you're going yes. through it this Alice in Wonderland yes, where you're like dude. something's not normal. Yeah. And all of a sudden a story and, and gets your, applied to it. Yeah. Your uh, adrenaline Absolutely. would just get jacked up. Like as soon as we would start kind of getting close to it, your adrenaline would start spiking. Yes. Then the car shuts off. Yep. And then you're sitting there in silence and you're just like, it, it, it's exhilarating. And I remember it just being. That's s- how it is. <laughs> yeah. And the the interesting thing is I've I've learned with all good ghost stories, they don't ever die. They just mutate every couple yeah, of years. Yeah. Sure. And I call sure. that uh, the grope factor because it's <laughs> a lot of people are going out there with girlfriends and boyfriends yeah. and stuff. And yeah. so you go out there and you tell your girlfriend, you say, you know, the story out here is this baby. Did did that, right. And they get scared and they huddle up and you cuddle oh, yeah. and stuff like that. You know, you break up with her and. Two years later, you take say, another girl out there and you tell her the same story, yeah. and she's like, I, "I heard that story, and it's not yeah. true." And then you're like, "Yeah, but 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 uh, there's guy with a hook for an arm," <laughs> and you start adding things into it. Then all of a sudden, you know, so yeah. so there's a lot of that going on. But I yeah. will say that as I dug through the history of the Ohio bridges, I did not find any instance where. 
a baby died on the bridge. Yeah. I did find people getting murdered on bridges, though. Mm. I found bodies being dumped on the bridges. Yeah. And I'm like... Mafia activity. And I'm like, is that... The mob was huge in Ohio, so that doesn't well, surprise well, me. Well, they're more recent than that. There's, oh, okay. there's even one up in... Um, oh, it's escaped me. But there is an actual bridge, a crybaby bridge, where they found a car on fire with a woman inside of it. And that's wow. not been solved yet. Um so there's some me- recent ones, mm. and I think that plays into it because a couple of years go by, People get- and all of a sudden that ghost story gets attached to it, and they're like, yeah, and that's not only haunted, but it's a crybaby bridge. So yeah. you've kind of got this twisted history that sort of takes place there, mm-hmm. which is the stuff that I actually love because it, right. it suddenly makes – that bridge, a place you're not supposed to go, yeah, which right. makes us all want to go Absolutely. there. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Do not enter. And, let me in. Right. I mean, what do you say when people maybe have, have said to you, well, this isn't history? Or, <laughs> you know, do you, have you ever, you've had that somebody tell you? This, not, not like today. It's not important. But, uh, yeah, like, I get it a it's lot. It's not important. I get it it's, a lot. It's so important. Um, to say that's un- unbelievable to me. I've I've given up caring about that because it's i i have to walk this fine line because on when it comes to ghosts and even folklore the historians will say that's not real history Mm. so my pushback is yes it is because and it becomes part of our tapestry of our individual lives that we go out there and we've experienced these things and it's it is part of history the flip side is that the ghost community i have to walk a thin line with because i firmly firmly believe in ghosts Mm -hmm. but i admit i don't know what they are Mm -hmm. i don't know how they do the things they do and i don't think anybody does right because if somebody knew exactly what a ghost was we couldn't doubt they existed. What's mm-hmm. What's your biggest reason, or is it just a collection over the years of the stories, or why, when you say it with such confidence or conviction, you believe in ghosts? What What convinced you or pushed you over the edge or gave you that? Reason, like one. Yeah, was there one glaring example of like, oh, that got my attention, or was it at just first you know, and probably a collection? You know, it's it's more of a collection, and yeah. by ghosts, I would say that it's something. Paranormal. It's something that sure. I can't explain. A recent um, case that we worked, and when I do my cases, I try to do a combination of psychic and feelings mm-hmm. as well as actual pieces of equipment. What I'm sure. looking for is to get the two of those to kind of merge. Sure. So that if someone is feeling, hey, I feel weird over in that corner. Don't even need to be psychic. It's just, you know, if you go in and you're like, something feels off there. Yeah. If I can put a piece of equipment in there that's rendering something, I'm like, there could yeah. be something to it. It could be you've got incredibly high levels of EMF that are causing those mm-hmm. feelings. Sure. But I'm always looking to kind of get those two to balance. Um, we were at a, um, a private residence. And the owner had reported for years that the back, um, this closet area, that they would have weird feelings. They reported seeing things for years. Okay. So we went out there and went in and we had uh, trip wires, which are basically um, little EMFs. There's probably about, you can get 
a string of 10, and I think the bigger one has 20. And, but basically, individual EMFs that kind of work almost like um, elves, the ones that – no, those are – yes, they are. The ones that actually flicker, K2s, sorry. Mm-hmm. So basically, the higher the level of EMFs, you're going to get the higher level of colors. These have, are individual, just attached on a string. So we're putting them up on the wall in the closet, and they are giving off incredibly high levels of EMF in an area that is kind of like this. Hmm. And then went like this. Hmm. And there's no, like, big electrical panel and they went behind like this. it. Wow. Well, you ready for the stinger? There was no electricity in the entire house. Oh, Jesus. It had been cut off, and we verified it had been cut off because there had been tragically a fire wow, there. Wow. It had been cut off at the box and at the pole. So there's but no— But it's expanding and contracting. Yeah. That's fascinating. We are—actually, um, not me, my uh, long-term member of the Ghost File, Mark, who is responsible for um, saying there was a portal in the Twin City Opera House— because we were uh, doing an investigation there for um, my book, Ohio's Historic Haunts. And they said that up in the catwalk, there's ghost of red wine Robert and a little girl up there. And they have this weird-looking shrine. Okay. I don't know if they still do this. Got, it's, it's weird. Yeah, why looking. is that shrine up there? The shrine's weird because it's a combination. It's like a Masonic? Of- Shrine or something? No, or? it's even stranger. It's oh. it's a it's a child's table that is filled with gifts for the ghost girl as well as half drunk bottles of red wine. Whoa! So it's a little good thing, grief, you know. Charlie Brown. So we're up there <laughs> wow. trying to communicate and do things, and I had a um, a cell sensor, which they call it the ghost meter, but don't buy yeah. the ghost meter because you've just paid. 15 extra bucks for the sticker that says ghost meter. It's a, it's a cell sensor. Okay. It's the one that beeps, red lights, and that kind I had it in my pocket, and I was leaning up against the wall, and Mark was there with a Sean, another investigator. Middle of the night, we're the only ones there, not getting anything, and all of a sudden, my thing starts to beep a little bit, and then it starts beeping and faster and faster, which basically means the intensity of the EMF level has gone higher, and we we're like, well, that's kind of weird, and... Behind us is just a, a wall to the outside. Again, we're up on the, in the catwalks. We're up on the second floor, and there was a level of high EMF that went out like this till it was taking up the whole entire wall. Wow. And then eventually went down like that, and it disappeared. The fascinating thing is that normal EMFs or electricity, it bleeds. So if you've mm-hmm. got like a, an EMF detector and you've got it on the wall and you've got a 4.0 and you start to move it away from where it's registering, you're going to get like a 3.8, a 3.5. Yeah, yeah. This one, you could take it, and I'm making up this number because I don't remember at the top of sure. my head, but it's an 8.0. And Everywhere. it would go 8.0, 8. 8.0, 8.0, 0. So it was, mm. it was... Really, um, really sharp walls. Like to it. literally, like if it's oh. like a door, it's opening and closing this door. And so we, it was. Wow. We had never encountered that where it had such 
sperm to find lines. Right. And Marge. You usually get more of a, a gentle a sloping drop off, and, like the. Exactly. And so Mark. Walking into the that's beach. so yeah. wild. Mark, who has a PhD and is an actual doctor, he's a scientist. Wow. But, but I looked at him and I said, what. What could make this happen? Thinking he was going to come back with some scientific explanation. And he looked at me and he goes, a portal? Wow. And ever since then, and now to this day, Twin City Opera House claims there is a portal up there. I don't know what that was. I just know that normal EMF and electricity do not work like that. That's wild. So you've had some pretty – have you ever had a – and and I hate to put more of a – like any encounters where you've seen an apparition, things moving in investigations, stuff like that of other – I know what you're saying with the correlation of using the instruments as well, um, but anything like that, again, in in that vein? I have not. We've had objects move, but we've never seen them move. Okay. (laughs) Um, I think – Probably the most fascinating thing that we've been sort of digging into that we've recently discovered is there's this idea of the, the doppelgangers or the idea of like oh a double. God, oh, God. Here we go. Hold up. You want doppelgangers? We can send you to Doppelganger Central. Yes. Like the Dollar for General real, of if Doppelgangers. If you're, if you're researching this right now, uh-huh. bro. We've got the guy for you. Yes. Tom. Yep, Tom Johnson from uh, the House of Fake Ops Rock Shop. Uh-huh. That property is built on something. But that There's a house, fault line, the energy from the mound. Their house was There's, built by Masons. Yeah, uh, He thinks the house itself is some kind of portal. Uh, but The I guy mean, that originally owned it moved out, left everything as is, moved out. He got it so cheap because he was just so <laughs> freaked out. He just let the yeah. house go. The The Dollar General, which sits there now, uh, was another house across the street, and now the Dollar General's haunted right there. But Tom has had doppelganger phenomenon. So there's some sort of bending of space-time is my theory on this. I would love to get down there because— yes. you should. You should really put that— I, don't, I think that'd be a good one for you as far oh, as like— Oh, bro. He started talking about it, and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, because I don't even think he knew it was called a doppelganger. He was like, yeah, you know, people will see me, but it's not me, but they think it's me. And I'm like, are you talking about doppelgangers? Like, yeah. that's— You've got all these stories of it, too. Where Tom would be in the rock shop, Mm -hmm. and someone would see him, Terry would see him out by the wood field, out in the field, or, you know, doing something with his rock somewhere. And then she'd be like, oh, well, you know, you were out here. Uh, no, and then walk in the rock shop and, and he's in there. In the and then rock just be shop, like, but he's, you're she's like, outside. But you're outside. He's like, no, no, I'm in here. I'm right here. She's like, no, but you, yeah. you're out there. And it's happened with not just Tom, but uh, other people Yeah, as well. I mean, I don't want to. I don't like rehashing other people's stories yeah. too much, but we have several clips and in that interview where he kind of we'll shares. Up with him. Yeah, I would uh, because I'm the one that has the doppelganger. So, so well, I want to. Well, I, I might not your, really be me. Well, I, I have I have my infamous it. one that could really scare you, but yes. but we'll yeah, come I'd back like, to that in a second okay. because the we've discovered what appears to be audio doppelgangers and normal. John Keel. Kind of. He had yeah. some of that occurring with him. Um, because when normally when you think of doppelgangers, it's the physical. You're, you're seeing yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we kind of stumbled across these bits of audio. So um, you guys will appreciate this because when we do investigations, 
I don't know how EVPs get on recording. How do they, yeah. I've always thought that myself. Back back in old-fashioned days, as my daughter calls it, um, <laughs> they used to say that the ghost could manipulate the electromagnetic mm-hmm. field, and we were recording on magnetic tapes. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, maybe. But now there is no tape. Mm-hmm. So how does that work? So when we do an investigation, we use Everything. We have used old boom boxes and regular cassette recorders to micro cassette. But the one backup that we use are studio microphones that we hardwire into a mixer, mm-hmm. a track mixer, because shock mounts. Whoa. Because we want to make sure. You this know, bro's going nuts. <laughs> I see you, Disbro. Um, and the reason for that is uh, I, one of my pet peeves is like when people are like, why do ghost stories whisper? And I'm like, it's called wind because they, they, they take their recorder and they're like, is there anyone yeah. here? And you're like, put yeah. it down. Yeah, so, yeah. Shock mounted. My, that's genius, dude. So we have those. And on one investigation... Um, so after an investigation is done, what we do is we record on everything from DVRs to we've got all sorts of audio and video that when we divide it up and we all take it home with us. And then once a month, we have a three hour meeting first Sunday every month at my house. And each member basically says, OK, I reviewed this. Here are the things that I think are strange that we should do. Um I happen to be reviewing one piece of audio where I'm right in front of a studio microphone and I whisper, no, what's it set on? Oh, I guess, you go, no, what's it set on? To which I'm like, I just broke one of my major rules, which I always mm-hmm. tell people, do not whisper because you mm-hmm. don't use your vocal cords and I can't figure out who you are. Right. So announce yourself and always do it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just, I broke my own rule. Thankfully, I reviewed it, so I'll just... Yeah, But a mistake was made, and Mark actually got that same piece of audio. Mm. And in the meeting, he goes, and I got this weird piece of audio. And he plays me whispering, no, what's it set on? And I'm like, I get it. It's me. And he's like, (laughs) it's not you. And I'm like, it is. Okay, you can all make fun out of me. I broke my rule. Fearless leader. I'm a rule breaker. I'll never (laughs) do it again. And he's like, it's not you. And I'm like, all right, knock it off. It is me. And he's like, it's not you. You weren't in the room, huh? And I wasn't. If you look at the video camera, but it sounds like you. And except when you look at it, and the wave, to the waveform, the waveform. Because what we yeah. do is this is like some predator stuff when he's trying to mimic them in the jungle of like right. saying the same. Carl what, Weathers want a piece of candy or whatever he's saying. The actual that. video camera that was recording yeah. over yeah. there. There's nobody there. You don't hear me walk up. You don't hear me walk away. I'm suddenly right up on the mic. Whispering, dude. I'm telling you, this doppelganger phenomenon is what we like to call it. Yeah, doppelganger. You see a dude in the airport. I get it all the time. Apparently, I look like a thousand people. Yeah, I've yeah. had people. Hey, yeah. are you in Spain in an airport? No, dude. I'm like, <laughs> That's different. <laughs> what we're talking about here. That is different. I don't think I've ever heard that. Like before. you, you can look like other people. What we're talking about here is this Carbon phenomena copy. of, like you said, that there's. Uh, out at Tom's house specifically, I mean, just is there some sort of like bending of space time? Is there some kind of like John Keel's 
the the window that he talks about uh, this window where you know things line up perfectly and and these energies or these shifts in our reality kind of get bent mm-hmm. and you know is it necessarily like an alternate version of you that's popping into that window uh, i don't know that's yeah, just I, it, it but th- when there's other phenomenon this doppelganger there could be there's ufo phenomenon there's paranormal phenomenon ghosts and then all of a sudden people have doppelganger phenomenon in these locations right it's strange, man. All right, so here's the, the my infamous scary doppelganger story that everybody freaks out about, um, which I always preface with, for years, when I was giving presentations, one of the questions people would say to me is, what's the weirdest thing that has ever happened to you? This is the weirdest? Except when I told it, yes, I told it as being the weirdest, and at that point I went, this is really scary. Why did I not freak out? And it's now become the scariest thing. It wasn't Whoa. scary when it happened. Yeah. Um, I tell. Well, and, you were kind of aloof to it probably in the moment, you know, or maybe I, not. I, I don't know how to describe how I felt because – but I, I do tell people if anybody can explain what I'm going to tell you, mm-hmm. I, I want you to because – Whenever I think of this story, so yeah, thanks guys. I'm going to be thinking about it tonight. <laughs> I I don't I don't have any explanation for it. So it was at Waverly Hills, and we had rented it out. It was just us. Southern Ohio? No, Waverly? it's it's in a uh, Louisville. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And big old TB hospital. Okay. It's on it's on all the shows, and. Um, we had rented it out, just my group. And what I always like to do when I go to these places is I will ask, what should I do and where should I go if I want the best chance of something happening? Mm-hmm. Um, a show that will not be mentioned had just been there. And they said, well, they say the fourth floor, that there's two different things up on the fourth floor. One is people report seeing doppelgangers, but the other is they see the creeper. God. So the creeper is this black human-like thing that creeps around on its hands and knees. Oh, jeez. On the ceiling. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, so they said that if you wanted to see the, the best chance of seeing the creeper— Go up to the fourth floor, which it's it's just patient rooms. And the, the sad thing about Waverly Hills is that there was no cure for TB at the time. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if you're looking down the hallway, on one side, there are rooms that then have, and all the doors are gone, but there was another door that then went out to a balcony because they thought fresh air could cure you. On the left side of the hallway where you just faced trees. So when you became terminal, they moved you out of the balcony rooms to the other side. So it's very sad to just mm-hmm. think about what's going on. Right, there. right. Tuberculosis is a horrific disease yes, to die of. Yes, Slow, painful. Yeah. The, the, the treatment where they thought at one point was, let's collapse a good lung oh, and give the other one chance. It'll pick up, the, and it's like, 
Well, who thought that was a good idea? I don't know, but you got to be careful <laughs> sometimes. Bob was a pulmonary nurse. I think I did. Yeah, I did for a while. Yeah. First, first couple of years. Wow. Yeah, saw a lot of chest tubes, pulmonary fibrosis. Uh, saw wow. some really pulmonary fibrosis is a really bad one too. That your lung tissue basically stiffens up over time and just solidifies, and you slowly just can't wow. inhale, exhale. Yeah, I had one. It's creating like a dark atmosphere. Yes, you know. Yeah, it's this like. Residual negative. There's black, not a lot of happiness in a TV garbage no. energy. Exactly. I think that's probably yes. the the, yeah. the the. There's no hey, they got better. Right. Exactly. You yeah. know, it was like going to the uh, Civil War hospital back in the day. Like, yeah. I don't think he's coming out. Right. But it was just a flesh wound. Doesn't matter. Exactly. <laughs> green, bro. <laughs> oh shit! You got yourself with the stapler. You're done. <laughs> but anyways, back to the creeper. So, and I'm trying to keep the scary thoughts at bay a little bit because. I'm a big I'm pussy cat, man. I get already. I get nervous. Well, like, it's coming. Um, so I, you know, I'll. I'll give, I still don't like going in the basement of my house to do the laundry. Let's just say that. <laughs> well, this probably might not be the good story. Well, I'm telling, sleeping. But... I'm sleeping with a dog, so I'll, I'll put him on guard duty. Okay. <laughs> um, so they said if you wanted the best chance to see the creeper, you go up to the fourth floor with a group, a small group, and you have all the group except for one person go to one end of the hallway. Oh God, no. <laughs> Hell no. Dude, we haven't even gotten to the stairs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's the bait. That's exactly right. Yeah. And have the other person go to the other end of the hallway, you face each other, turn off all the lights, and that the creeper would come creeping up behind the bait. So I said, I, yeah. I'll be the bait because I, I've been doing it for so long. I'm like, oh, that's what you got to do. I mean, that's what I want to have happen. I want to see it. So sure. Okay. Do what well, you got to do. Hey, man, at <laughs> least you, you're, you're, you're in it. Right. In it to win it. So the other three people in my group were the only four on the entire floor. They go to the other end of the hallway. They face me. I have got a, a video camera in my hands, and then I've got, it sounds very cheesy, but it's very cool, like a headlamp. Yeah, yeah. That I always tilt down because it's yeah. like the gremlins, you know, when I turn it on, bright light, bright light, blind everybody. So mm-hmm. it's always oh, facing, sure, sure. facing down. Yeah. So... What I did was I took the camera down. The headlamp was still on. I put the camera down between my legs so it's facing down towards the rest of the group. I stood up, clicked the headlamp off, and I kind of just went like this. I can see them vaguely. I can see shadows of them down the hall. But I'm just standing there, and I don't feel anything weird. I feel absolutely nothing. And I guess it was about 20 minutes or so, that I hear one of them in the group go, where did he go? And then someone else in the group go, I think he went in that room over there. But you're not moving. And then they go, Jim? And I said, yeah. And then I heard the G-rated version. Oh, shoot, that wasn't him. So what they later claimed people in the group claim that they saw is after seeing my shadow in the darkness like this for about 20 minutes, I turned my headlamp on, illuminated my entire body, bent down, picked the camera up, went like this, turned to my left and walked into the room. Shut up. Leaving an empty hallway. And I never moved. Whoa. What? What the? So they saw you walk into the hallway. 
Out of the hallway. Out, I'm sorry. Out, out of, of the, the hallway. hallway. Okay. Fully illuminated with my that, head. That, that's a kicker. Not oh, just like the shadow of you doing Correct, this. that I was fully illuminated. Not like they're like, oh, there he goes, like hush hush. But they're like, hey, shit, we can see him. But He's you all did lit up. turn the goes. light on. No. You did not. No, he stood in the darkness. Yeah, I was in the dark. So the weird thing. That's the doppelganger of but, but, Waverly. But, but is it? Or is it the creeper? Because here's the weird thing is. The creeper doppelganged you. Or was it something totally different? Yeah. Because the odd thing is that I I asked him, I was like, well, how did I come back? <laughs> right? It's a great question. I, and what they said, which when they said it, I was like, oh, that makes total sense now. So they're looking at me, at my yeah. shadow. Yeah. And I turn on the light, I leave, and I go off to their sure. right. They thought that I was just bored and I just left. So when they were like, where did he go? I think he went into that room over there. They were no longer looking here. They were looking off to the right towards Mm -hmm. that. When they called out to me, they thought I'd call back from that room saying, yeah, I'm in here. I'm bored, whatever. When I call back from the middle of the hallway, they looked back Mm -hmm. and I was there. Oh. Mm -hmm. So they don't know how I came back. But to me... I didn't feel anything. There were no time slips. There was nothing like that. So, so that I can sleep at night, I tell people, whatever happened, it happened to them. Yeah. Because I never left the hall, but you, I, I don't know. People have asked, which is a great question, is that did I ever go into that room, the real mm, me, go into that room? Yep. And I did. Afterwards, I don't recall going in there before. The really weird thing is that the camera— the video camera that was between my legs facing them gets that whole conversation. Hmm. But the light, my light never comes on and I never pick it up until afterwards. So, so the camera when, never records you. The camera doing is getting what they picked up, Correct. Yeah. seeing the light going into the lens, the light, the lens right. would have well, picked up that light. None of that happened. It would have picked happens. up the movement. Correct. That's crazy. It's like you, they but all saw a mirage. Right. What is it? And that's, that. those are the things that I'm like, there's something there. <laughs> there's yeah. something that can't be explained, but I don't know. That's why I said, we call it the doppelganger thing, but was it? Because yeah, did it make the double right over? There's a lot going on yeah. with that one. That's a, lot <laughs> that's a whole there. lot of so, I mean, what was the, what really, when you kind of look back on it, like what really kind of scared you? You said it, it kind of scared you a little bit. Um, it scared me afterwards because yeah. it, when it, when that happened, I was just like, well, that was weird. That was kind of weird. And, right. I, and it didn't frighten me until I started thinking about the logistics yeah. of what had happened. It yeah. was like, no, the camera didn't record anything, mm-hmm. but multiple people saw this thing. Yeah. They weren't scared yeah. because they just the thought time, it was you. They just thought it was me. So it yeah. was afterwards where you're like, I think the biggest fear to me was that where did I, where did the real me go? Yeah. I don't think I went anywhere. It's almost like did some sort of, I had to have gone somewhere because they saw like that's, yeah. that's crazy. It's the weird. It's the weirdest thing. And those are those nuggets that when you come across them, you're like, "That's my proof." I don't know what it's proof of, but it's yeah. proof that there's something there. Yeah. I mean, you have research. You have these folks that are witnessing it. You have the camera. You have your point of view. I mean, there is there's a lot, a lot of, of corroboration of corroboration. Weird shit there. Exactly. Yeah, that's strange. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, wow. Wow. 
I, yeah, I don't know. That, that would be tough. I, I've seen a couple things, but I, never intentionally. Yeah, and I've uh, when I've <laughs> you seen know, like you know you know what? I'm the same way because I will. We are very. It's it's kind of neat to look at sort of the history of the ghosts of Ohio because we will sort of ebb and flow when it comes to okay, just hardcore equipment, all equipment. And yeah. We need to document, the gear. and then we're yeah. like. We could be so focused on that screen mm-hmm. that there's ghosts jigging behind us, and we are never thinking because we're like, we got to watch this, we got to watch this. Yeah. So then it'll swing the other way, which is like no equipment or it's very passive. It's just yeah. over in the corner, and we just kind of get, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. see if we can pick up feelings and things. So it's it's interesting to watch us go back and forth. But when we do investigations, the one thing that we try to hold to is that. We always want to know where everybody is at specific times. So if we were at, sure, sure. you know, mm-hmm. if we were here and we were going to do an investigation, I would say, okay, the three of us, we're in this room until for the next hour. So until 945, whatever time, you know, an hour after that, we can go wherever we want in this room, but we can't leave the room. Right. Mm. So we know where everybody is. There have been numerous times where I've been sitting at our command center sounds really crass but you know it's basically where we got all our stuff plugged in yeah and i will like look over and see somebody and be like who the hell is that who's supposed to be and then i look and i'm like there is nobody supposed to be and i look back and there's nobody there Mm. and i'm like all right who the hell was that right you know they weren't floating right just looked like they had their head it just looked like a normal it was taking up enough space to yeah give you that yep that's somebody to piss me off that i'm like there shouldn't (laughs) be anybody over there you know and it's so those are the kind of things that when you come across you're like there's something do you ever bring animals with you dogs we have yeah we have because i am i am i firmly believe that Animals, dogs, but animals as well as children pick up on those things. Now, with children, I think it's because the weight of the world hasn't crushed them yet, and they're told that's not real. That's not real. But animals don't get that. Animals have to look at everything as being a potential threat. So I love to use animals. There were a couple of investigations where we we used them. We even went so far as to for— my Ohio's Historic Haunts book, we did an investigation of the um, oh, the lighthouse up in um, – it's got the ghost cat. Oh, it's escaping me. The ghost cat. They have mm, a ghost nice. cat. Um, um, Fairport Harbor. Okay. Well, get out of here. So my wife grew up really close to there. I was going to say, yeah. We go there <clears throat> quite often to go hit the beach and well, from uh, – so this, so this story okay. of why it's a ghost cat, okay, this part of the story is true. Um, is that a uh, man named Babcock. He was the last lighthouse keeper. Okay. And his wife fell ill. Okay. And so whether it was because he did it to, she became bedridden to make his wife happy or because that's what she always liked, but he started chucking a bunch of cats at her. So, <laughs> so he had all these cats on the bed, you know, and stuff like that. And I, I don't know whether or not, like I said, she liked cats to begin with or yeah. she was just bedridden and he thought he'd cheer up by chucking cats at her. But oh, according to legend, her one favorite cat was this rather large meatloaf-sized gray cat. When the wife passed away, the legend is that all the other cats stayed there except the gray one. The gray one just disappeared. Years later, decommissioned the lighthouse. The lighthouse keeper's house 
they have now made into a museum. Okay. So you go to the museum now, and before it, I think it had been open, but at some point they were adding air conditioning. So you had a guy whose lovely job was to go into the crawl spaces and crawl underneath and put the HVAC in, right? Yeah. So he's kind of crawling through the basement, and he said that at some point he felt like he was being watched. And he started to freak himself out, and so he took his flashlight and he turned it on, and he was allegedly face-to-face with what he called a mummified cat. Mm. Um, Oh, God. And because this is Ohio, uh, that mummified cat is on display to this day in the museum. Wow. (laughs) They they gave it its name Sentinel. Um, (laughs) People use that as validation that that's the gray cat. It wasn't officially mummified. It just got underneath it. But um, it is quite... Disturbing to see. That's wild. Um, <laughs> but they claim that they see a ghost cat running through the house. Through the house. Okay. So when we did the investigation, again, I we sat and we thought, and we were like, okay, it's a ghost cat. And we used, you know, if we're looking for trigger objects for children, we use toys, you know, or something that people liked when they were alive. So we were like, all right, let's get a bunch of cat toys. And laser pointers, you know, mm-hmm. because we had them all. So that was the first and only investigation where Sam, one of our investigators, is going like, That's "You're kitty, awesome. kitty," and she's oh got the God, laser pointers out. And Wendy, we had catnip too at one point. I there you go, cat people. But you know, if it <laughs> is like that. if 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 um, you know the paranormal energy or that spirit energy is there, and you're trying to almost like coax it out or engage it, and not correct getting out the Ouija yeah. board, but you know. How would I make it so that this this entity would want to interact with this space? You're yeah. exactly right. You know, playing yeah. music. It's, it reminds me of Ghostbusters when they have to activate the ooze with the, the positive ooze. energy or the negative energy. Ray, you know? have you been sleeping with it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but a lot of that kind of stuff, you know, they they had that even in those films of like, yeah, you know, there's there's ways they're trying to measure it, you know, but also there are these undeniable like just experiences of like, you know. I, I am totally with you because we have been experimenting with not on, with in general how to make ourselves more appealing mm-hmm. to the ghosts. And we sure. have been, done several investigations of the uh, Defiance Public Library. Okay. And they have report—it's always interesting because the, I, they came across me. I did a presentation up there, and it was sort of like the— you don't seem as weird as we thought you were going to be, you know, which I, <laughs> which I take kind of normal. Kind of normal. And so <laughs> you're like, it's just a title, yeah. but not. <laughs> weird Willis. I mean, yeah. I, I wear that moniker with pride. That's but, awesome. Um, Absolutely. Um, they were like, we have these things going on. We don't know what it is. It's not bad. It's not, you know, would you want to do an investigation? And the interesting thing about the Defiance uh, Public Library is that a janitor did pass away in the building. He was older, and it was back in the day when the bottom was where it was his apartment. So he did pass away in what's now their storage area, but it wasn't like he was murdered or anything like that. And they were like, so I don't know if he could be it. He had a um, a grandson, Wild Bill Davidson, who became like this famous jazz musician. And a lot of people said that he loved it. He used to come and visit his grandfather and that he loved it. So is he the one? Hmm. And then it shares the property with where 
old Fort Defiance used uh, to be. So we bingo. were we were like, well, who the hell is this ghost? <laughs> yeah. So what we did the first time we went out there is again, Mark, one of the investigators. This is it's one of the things I love about Mark is because we were like, well, how could we maybe do like something with the fort? And Mark goes, well. I've got some costume. I don't know are they costumes. He's a he used to a be, replica. He used to be yeah. a reenactor. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. A replica and I, uh, uniform. Well, that's interesting. and I was like, well, that might work. Dress, but, yeah. but what 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 did you do? Is and he and he goes, I was a surveyor, and I'm like, <laughs> no one but you, Mark, would choose to be a reenactor and be the surveyor. But <laughs> there is a surveyor stone. Oh, in the middle of the fort remains. Oh wow! Well, because then they're that, important, and I'm like, that might work. You might be well, on with something. So he comes out. He's in costume. Wendy has actually got period military music. Yeah, and then on top of that, I went and found Wild Bill's recording, the grandson. So over the course of the night. Mark is out there at the fort, and I tell people, this is my favorite part, we didn't know it at the time, okay, but we're out there in the middle of the night. He's standing out there in uniform like this. Wendy is hiding with the the military stuff playing, and we didn't realize it was like their jazz and rib fest had let out, and so there's people stumbling along the water coming back from that. (laughs) Guys, in about three or four years it's normally how long it takes to percolate. I know somebody is going to say, I was walking by the fort one night. I was coming back from the rib fest. And, man, there was, like, this ghost guy standing there, and there was weird. It was us. Um, <laughs> but we also, um, subsequently, we had um, girls dress up as flappers mm. as well to go down there. But when we were playing Wild Bill's music, we didn't realize anything at the time, but we have a recording of someone tapping in perfect time. To the music. To the music. Okay. But then oh. what happened is that was at the end of the night. So we looked at that and we're like, I don't know if that's Wild Bill. I don't know if it was somebody from the fort who heard that music. It just li-. So it actually raised more questions than answers. But mm-hmm. it also is like, okay, but then that mean did that mean the ghost had to hear it? Because it wasn't like one or two knocks. It was like. Yeah, real rhythmic. Tapping along with the song. On wood. Mm. Except where that microphone was, was right near metal shelves. Mm. So where is that wood coming from? And like, okay. I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of if you are hearing things, we will tell people like if they hear someone walking up the stairs, we tell them, count the stairs. Because are you actually hearing something real going up the stairs, or are you hearing a residual, something from the past that's replaying? Fair question. We've got pressure plates that we'll put on the stairs because we're, in my mind, if that's a real ghost, whatever that is, it's got to have enough density or mass or stuff to exert that pressure on those stairs to make them creak. So we will go and figure, is this residual? Is this intelligent? That tapping, if it was a ghost, had to be intelligent because it was tapping in perfect time with that particular music. So it wasn't like we heard rapping and it was um, out of beat. So it's like, okay, but if it heard it, 
Then you can interact that, with it. But does that, that mean you take way. your ears to the other side? Like when they're talking, you hear what they say. It's an intelligent response. So do you take your vocal cords to the other side? Like how does that work? And this is what I love is because I just go, I don't know. Yeah. But it's cool, right? Yeah. I don't pretend Something to have answers yeah. because yeah. I'm just looking for them. But I think if more people in this field were just like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't have the answers. Let's unpack it. Yep. It be a, wouldn't be as evil a field as it sometimes <laughs> becomes. Yeah. Well, and saying you don't know is always like the coming from a background in the hospital and stuff. That was always like. Nobody wanted to say they didn't know because, oh, it's God. It's taken as a sign to, of weakness. Yeah, yeah. you're supposed yep. to know everything. And my favorite thing about a person is when somebody can say, I don't know. But I'm going to yep. try to right. find out. Right, because at least I know you're going to yep. go get the answer somewhere. Yes. And, and you know that process. Yes. Of, you don't exactly. have to know everything. Exactly. But you got to know how to find the yeah. answers yeah. and who does have that answer. But um, I want to backtrack real yeah. quick. We had a great question. What was on the camera that was going back to the, uh, oh, the creeper. creeper location? What was on the, the camera, camera that was between my legs? Yes. Nothing. Just it was shooting out. It 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 had them. Yeah. It captured their conversation okay. about where did he go. It had my response, but it doesn't move yeah. or have any light appear until the real me. So it's just shooting them. That's all you can see. Correct. Yeah, there is and it does not move. It's it's literally between my legs shooting down the hallway. So you hear them say, like, where did he go? You hear that conversation, yeah. which when that was taking place, I had turned on my light and picked up the camera. Yeah. The camera never moves. Yeah. Man. Jeez. Yeah, I'd be a little creeped out. Yo, what's up, all you beautiful people? Thank you so much for listening to episode 25, part one with paranormal investigator and author James A. Willis. Man, this episode had it all. It was great catching up with James, who we met at the Frogman Festival a few months back. You know, James got to tell us the story of how he became Weird Willis and his path through all of the things that he's doing now. And, you know, we got to hear James's firsthand accounts and his reports on several paranormal investigations that he led uh, we also talked about the legend of Sleepy Hollow, which he grew up really close to that area. We talked about the Athens, Ohio pentagram, the Loveland Frogman, and urban legends like Crybaby Bridge, which Bub and I grew up near one. So it was really cool to hear about all those things. And also, one of our favorite subjects of all time, the doppelganger phenomenon. I know you guys enjoyed that one. But be sure to go check out everything James is doing. You can hit his website, strangeandspookyworld.com and ghostsofohio.org, which is his paranormal investigation uh, group. And also Facebook, Strange and Spooky World, Instagram, at Strange and Spooky World. And then you can hit James up on Twitter if you guys have any questions, at James A. Willis. So go, go check out James. He would appreciate all your support. And also, make sure you follow The Strange Road. All our social media is at The Strange Road. We're on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We have the Facebook group, which is Rockin' and Rollin', The Strange Road Hitchhikers. Be sure to come and hang out. If you guys want to post some links in there, it just might get featured on an episode of Strange Happening. So be sure to do that. And if you like this episode, please share it. Uh, rate, Give us a five-star rating if you enjoy the show. 
And, uh, you know, check out all the links in the description. Uh, check out our website. We just got it redone last month. It's www.thestrangeroad.com. Uh, you know, you guys can buy us coffee and munchies. And there's a little tip jar just to kind of keep us going, keep us fed, keep us caffeinated. We appreciate all your guys' support in anything. Um, you know, keep sharing, keep listening. You guys have a great one. Mikey signing out. Bye-bye. <laughs>